Welcome back to the Black Health Lit Podcast, where we focus on all things Black health. The goal of Black Health Lit is to elevate Black lives through health literacy, education, and inspiration. I'm your host, Rachel Ray Crowder, a public health professional and healthcare consultant in Columbus, Ohio. Today's episode is titled, Black Women, Food, and Weight. I'll be talking with Sierra Brown, who is the owner and head wellness coach at Melanin Plus Co. She is a West Virginia native, proud Christian, and former therapist who is particularly obsessed with helping Black women unlearn diet culture misconceptions. In her, it is her mission to help other Black women prioritize themselves and unlearn what held her captive for far too long by teaching them the necessary nutrition, movement, and mindset practices required for sustainable health so that they can live free and purposed. You can connect with her through her social communities on IG at MelaninWell and her private Facebook group. Just search MelaninWell. You can also connect with her through her transformative virtual coaching program, Melanin Well Academy. Through her Melanin Well community, she's been able to help hundreds of women find food freedom in their own revised version of sustainable health and wellness, and finally prioritize themselves and their needs. I hope you enjoy listening to the Black Health Lit podcast and you apply some of the practical information that you learn. However, I do want you to know that Black Health Lit is not a replacement for the advice of your licensed clinical professional. Hey, Sierra, thank you for being here today. How are you? I am doing great. How are you doing? I am good. So today we are talking about Black women in our relationship with food. But before we jump into the subject, can you tell my audience a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Sierra Brown. I am the owner and head wellness coach of Melon Well & Co. And I am all about helping Black women unlearn all of the absolute craziness we've learned from diet culture um, and implementing practices and skills that help us really create and find sustainable health. And it's what I do every single day and I love it. And I'm from West Virginia. That's a random fact. always say it because it gets a good reaction everybody's like I didn't know black people lived in West Virginia there's a couple of us there's a couple of us yes which part of West Virginia Hinton West Virginia it is southern it's as southern as it gets you can literally be like in Virginia in like 20 minutes or something like okay very southern okay when I was in college we used to go to Parkersburg to Ah. shop from Athens yeah yeah um but is north it's probably like three hours from where I'm from oh wow okay West Virginia is bigger than I thought but yeah that's a that is a random fact uh so how did you get started as a wellness coach Sierra well ironically enough as this is a, a black literacy podcast Um, I got started as a wellness coach from Black illiteracy because um, I got really sick my senior year of college. Um, I got a blood clot in my left kidney. 
Um, and it actually came from birth control. So prior to getting this, you know, blood clot in my kidney, I had no idea that birth control was unhealthy. I had no idea that they were risk taking birth control. And in my mind, it was medicine. So it was healthy. It clears your skin. It helps your period. It does all of these things. But at no point in my life at the age of 21 had anybody said like, Sierra, guess what? Like, these are synthetic hormones. They're really horrible for you. Yeah. And it made me very sick. So during that process of getting sick, um, I was 80 points away from my 1,000 point. Um, I played college basketball. Um, 10 games away from the ending of my career, and it all got robbed. So um, I had to go on, on blood thinners. So obviously, I can no longer play. I can no longer work out. Um, and it was very difficult for me because prior to that moment, I had no idea who I was outside of basketball. Yeah. Every decision that I had ever made was about basketball all the way down to the major I chose. Everything was about being on the court. And so I became very depressed. Um, and when I became very depressed, honey, food, you know, my relationship with food was, was all over the place. And I gained 50 pounds in what felt like a month. Um, and during that process of losing the weight, which I did in a very, now I know is a very unhealthy way. Um, I became very obsessed with thinness. I became very obsessed with the scale. Um, I took very obsessive measures. So I was working out twice a day, afraid to take days off, afraid to eat. I literally, if I was hungry, I would drink. I was drinking like six cups of coffee a day because I'm trying to suppress my appetite, doing everything that other people tell you to do. But at the time, right. I was incredibly unhealthy. So when you asked me what got me into the wellness coaching space, well, this version of myself was me healing from that. There's another coach that I wouldn't call a wellness coach. Um, I became like a macro tracking pro um, going through all that, becoming so obsessed. And that's when I decided, okay, like lots of people are asking me how I'm doing it. So I, I can teach them. Right. Um, in that process, I got to watch a lot of people adopt the same behaviors I had, and I got to watch it unfold in their lives. And it really made me realize like, oh my gosh, I am holding on by a thread. <laughs> like, this is not, like, this is not what I want. Like, what is going on? Right. And I think once I saw it in other people, that's when the light bulb came on. And I was like, you know what? I do love being a coach. Um, because prior to that, I was a therapist. You know, all, all of this was happening at the same time. It's like, I do love this but I had to do it in a different way. So I became obsessed with studying food psychology and food relationship and diet culture. And I became this version of me. And during that transition, God also said, Sierra, I know that I want you to, you know, move into the wellness space, but I also only want you to speak with black women. And I was like, hold up, God. <laughs> like, is that even legal? Like, am I even allowed to do that? And God was like, absolutely, sis. Yeah. Head first into it, and it's literally, I cannot believe I'm about to say it, but it's been the best two years of my life exclusively speaking to Black women. That is phenomenal. I love your testimony as the way that um, you got into wellness coaching and that kind of propelled you. And yeah. it speaks volumes about the power of God. And I won't give, I won't start a sermon. I will not Girl, pass the collection plate. But <laughs> when he calls you, you better answer. <laughs> he gonna keep calling. He's he gonna keep calling until you answer. He'll keep yes. things around in your life. 
until you answer you he he's he's he, that's how he does and that's Absolutely. what he spoke very loud to me and i tried to come up with every excuse in the book but once i jumped headfirst in like the feeling that i have i'm like oh my gosh how did i ever do anything else but this yeah it's it's something magical for sure yeah. so from your clients Sierra, what is the number one question you get from them? Okay, so the number one question I get from clients. Okay, so I'm going to answer this as the number one question I get in general. Okay. okay. Um, because it is a question I get from my clients early on, like the question that they all ask, but it's also what people on Instagram and my DMs in the comments ask. And I think at the end of the day, what a lot of people have questions about are meal planning and meal prep. And while that's the question that they ask, meal plan, meal prep, and you know how to like save time and do it better and make time for it. But whenever people ask me that question, what I'm really actually hearing is, Sierra, I have no idea what to eat. I have no idea how much to eat. And there's just too much information that I'm just so overwhelmed that I'm just like, okay, you know, give me an, God, give me an answer. And when you go on Instagram, all you see are, you know, people showing you their containers, you know, people, those little graphics that show you how to create your own meal plan. And I think every year people are like, okay, that's the answer. That's how I simplify this. And it's, it's easy. It's easy to step on because it's what you see everywhere. But at the end of the day, you know, it's all of this information that keeps us confused. So I think that um, that's probably the number one question I get is meal planning and meal prepping, but I never answer it the way that people want me to answer it. So <laughs> a lot of times it's like, I kind of like veer them around and like navigate them to realize that like, oh my gosh, actually, I just really don't know what I should and shouldn't eat. And I right. realize that there is no should and there is no shouldn't. It's about what we do most of the time. And I kind of what I do help them figure out is, you know, what a food continuum is. And I think once people kind of figure out what a food continuum is, then they're like, okay, like this meal planning, meal prep thing isn't that complex. And actually what I'm trying to do, I don't even really need to do all that. Right. I'm doing too much. Talk a little bit more about the food continuum. I'm not familiar with that concept. Most people aren't. <laughs> but what a, what a food continuum is, is, you know, it's the concept that there aren't good and bad foods, there aren't no foods, that all foods just fall somewhere different on the continuum. So okay. what you have here, what people view as clean foods, I don't like the word clean because it kind of has <laughs> value to food, but what I would call what your foods that are less processed, those are in the eat more category. Um, so your whole foods, what people typically call whole foods are in your eat more category. And then you have the foods that are in the eat some category that while aren't, they're not super processed, but they may be a little bit more processed than what's in the eat more category. And then you have the eat less. I'm not saying no, don't eat the pizza, but that may be something that we should eat with that we're going to eat less of right. um, and how how you fill up your plate you know every week is up to you you may be the person that that does mostly eat more foods you may be the person that does about half eat more half eat some you know you may be the person that predominantly has half eat less but you still sprinkle in a lot of those eat more and eat some foods it's about where you are in your journey and how you want to shape your continuum and right. i think once you figure out that all those foods 
have do have a place and there aren't foods that I just absolutely cannot have you get your power back and I think that that really that freedom and knowing like oh wow pizza is my favorite food and you mean to tell me I can live a healthier lifestyle and still eat pizza that's wild that's crazy yes I love that because it's a very individualized approach. And for instance, I love pizza. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you bought up pizza. But my strategy has always been to eat pretty healthy Monday through Fridays. So that on Saturday, when I'm dining out with my girlfriends, I'm going on dates, eating with family, whatever I'm doing, I don't have to feel so restricted because yeah. now it's taking a, a toll on me, right? It's a mental health toll. It's an emotional toll. I want what I want. <laughs> but I feel, so that's what works for me. And I believe I heard an interview with Michelle Obama once about eating healthy through the week. And then she would let the girls uh, eat, you know, not straight junk food, but have a little bit more flexibility on the weekends. And that's what worked for them. Yeah. So Michelle Obama is my absolute queen. Um, I love her. I, you know, Can she come back? <laughs> she is, I don't even, I, I don't even know how to explain how much I love Michelle Obama. However, one thing I will say about the approach that we are talking about is that you see, you sound confident in it. Like you sound like this does work for me. For some people, it doesn't work. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure to kind of add that little caveat because if you are that person that, you know, on the weekend, I kind of do what I want. If you experience negative emotions during the week, trying to get to the weekend, then you're, that's not, then that's not a good fit for you. And I think right. a lot of people attempt that approach, but you really have to have a pretty good relationship with food to really be able to conquer that approach. Like, for example, if your goal is, if, if what is aligned with what you want to do is to kind of cook all of your meals throughout the week, just, you know, stay on track. And then on Saturday, you know, eat pizza or whatever it is that you want. But on Wednesday, you know, Chick-fil-A comes to your job and every, you know, which happens to us. And if that experience for you, you, you experience anxiety, you experience stress, like trying to be like, oh my God, like if I eat this Chick-fil-A, what's going to happen? Oh God. <laughs> If you start to experience obsessive thoughts around it, this whole Monday through Friday clean or whole foods and then Saturday, Sunday, kind of whatever you want might not work for you. Now, for right. you, it seems like you're able to be cool, you know, whatever. If you eat your play on a Wednesday, it's like, cool, okay, tomorrow's another day, whatever. It works for you. But, you know, I think it's very important. And I think that's what we'll talk the most about is figuring out what does work for you. Right, right, and the right. And I kind of inserted that there is because I hear a lot of people give that advice. And I think a lot of times when women attempt that and they, it's very difficult for them, they feel like failures. They feel shame and they feel True. guilt because they're like, oh my gosh, like Michelle Obama does this. Like, how can I not do this? Like something is wrong with me. And those negative emotions are very harmful to your relationship with food. And that is very harmful to all the other areas of your life. Definitely. Let me just say that Chick-fil-A doesn't have to come to my job. I will come to Chick-fil-A. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, me and Chick-fil-A, we have a relationship. I looked at my end of the year spending and I need to pipe it down a little bit on the Chick-fil-A. But um so I spend a DoorDash on DoorDash. <laughs> no DoorDash for me, but Chick-fil-A is robbing me. 
So how do we, you talked about negative emotions, which I think is very important. And I know I have a personal relationship with food. We all do. I'm aware of it. How do we form our relationships with food? Okay. So the way that we form our relationship with foods, it's, it's really grounded in diet culture. And you have heard me say that word a few times. What diet culture is, is it's, it's our systems of, it's our system of belief around food and how we view food. Um, and this concept that, you know, thinness is superior, weight loss equals success, you know, thinness, there's moral value to food. There's moral value to being able to lose weight. You are better if you, if you're able to lose weight and this obsession with thinness and this obsession with eating less um, really creates a negative food relationship and it's something that's been embedded to us for as long as we can remember so I think it's easy to say that our relationship with food is impacted by our family and the way that we are raised and by our friends but at the end of the day they are also influenced by diet culture absolutely Um, so I think that's really the major influence there and I think that you know it's what's really important is for you to really take the time to take a step back and make sure that your choices are truly aligned with what you want I think at the end of the day we all think that because of diet culture we think what we have to do to be healthy is to lose weight but at the end of the day how do we even know what's truly a healthy way and what's not like we've all figured out by now that the bmi is ineffective especially for black women in our yes. um so it's like what i think at our core what we all truly want is to be happy yes and we want to find joy and we want to have purpose in life and a lot of times that just is not happening with the approaches that we are taking you know a lot of times we're obsessed with dieting because of diet culture and it's like we go on these diets we think that it's going to make us into these new people but all it really does is make us tired yes Um, (laughs) it makes us tired it makes us miserable even if we reach the goal weight or what we believe is the goal body we're still very dissatisfied with the way that we look and at the end of the day it is very distracting from joy and purpose and happiness it robs us from that and that's the irony we think it's what's making us happy um, but at the end of the day it's really robbing us of actual health and happiness I agree with that 100% I have always hated diet culture and the obsession with being skinny and and there's nothing wrong with being thin we have so many different body shapes and sizes and the complexity and variety you know variety of how people are naturally built However, there is an obsession with diet culture. There is always a commercial on get, you know, no shade. I'm not going to say any pill names because I don't want to get sued when I blow up. (laughs) But there are diet pill infomercials. There are always uh, people selling something that's the current trend. Lose weight, lose weight, lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. And then you cross this, this threshold of losing that weight. But then what did you gain? You didn't gain happiness. You didn't gain purpose. You didn't gain joy. You you lost a lot. And I think I I reflect back on my life when I was deep, deep into it. um, I literally lost friendships, relationships, time. Um, You know, I think me 
truly finding purpose, you know, everything happens for a reason, you know, and I wouldn't be where I am if, if everything hadn't happened to me. But I think that I was very distracted from where I was trying to go because I was so obsessed with being thin. I was so obsessed with food. I could, there's literally no space for anything else when we're so immersed in diet culture there's literally right. no mental emotional space there's no time like it's it ha in order for it to work the way it's supposed to work you ha literally have to give your entire life to it and that's yeah. what a lot of people do yeah you do it can be compulsive so how do we change our relationships with food? So say we don't have a positive relationship with food where uh, negative emotions prompt us to eat unhealthy foods or the ones that are on that continuum of eat less. If that's something that we have found ourselves doing, how do we change our relationship? Well, I think step one for everybody is to really assess your belief system. And if you find that you do, if, if you find that your relationship with food is poor, like if you find that it's not actually aligned with what you're trying to do and who you're trying to be and what you believe, then you really have to start by changing your belief system. And at the end of the day, if food for you is simply about weight loss, and I've you know been on hundreds of discovery calls of people who are trying to hire a coach or join a program and everybody always has some type of goal weight and I'll ask them like hey like if you if you don't ever actually reach this goal weight but somehow you become healthier like how would you feel and a lot of people there's a lot of anxiety around that because you want to say because you think it's the correct thing to say that you want to live a healthier lifestyle but at the end of the day your priority is is that number on the scale so you really have to kind of shift your mindset from like okay weight loss thinness, all these things that diet culture has taught you to sustainable health. So yeah. when you're really trying to switch, take that switch to sustainable health, the things that you're really looking to implement are skills and practices that are supportive of your of, of sustainable health. And I think sometimes we just think about the approach, the diet, whatever the case may be. It's like, no, like what are your daily actions like? So when we're thinking about nutrition, we're thinking about eating enough nutrients. We're thinking about choosing more whole foods. So we're thinking about eating more of those eat more foods on the continuum. We're thinking about eating well consistently. And when I mean well, I mean aligned with your goals and where you are on the continuum. And we're talking about eating well intuitively. So, you know, right. what, you know, like, how slow are we eating? You know, are we eating to satisfy? And I think eating well intuitively is oftentimes the hardest part for people. Um, so I think it is, it's about switching that mindset from thinness and, you know, weight loss obsession to sustainable health. And a lot of times the byproduct of that is, you know, a, a, bo a body that is stronger. It right. doesn't have to be smaller, but a body that is stronger. And at the end of the day, that's what we actually want. We want a stronger body. We want to feel better. We want our minds to work better. Like we want to function better. Absolutely. Um, that if we are able to get on the other side of that, um, then we are in a much better position to thrive in purpose, which is the true thing that we want. We want purpose. And at the end of the day, all of the diet culture stuff, that's the biggest thing it is a distraction from is purpose. Because I literally, yes. my relationship with God right now, solid. Um, however, when I was really going through it, um, I literally would take time away from my spirituality 
for this. Like if I didn't meal prep in time on Sunday, like I'm not going to church. Like meal prep comes for God. And I think that that happens to a lot of people because it's, it's a literal obsession. Yeah. But I think once we kind of shift our focus and we shift our belief system, we understand truly why we are doing this at our core. And it's really about purpose man our relationship with food completely changes absolutely i would love to explore more when you talk about our belief systems but before we shift to that can you explain what you mean by sustainable wellness just so everybody has an understanding of that so i mean obviously the word sustainable like we're talking about what we can do for the rest of our lives and at the end of the day what i ask a lot of people is okay like you've been taking this approach and you say it works what does works mean oh you mean that you were able to do it for 60 days in in 2019 and then that was it after that it was a wrap so it worked for you for 60 days but it didn't work for you for life got it so sustainable is about creating a routine that's aligned with the lifestyle we want that we're able to take in take on year after year after year after year obviously our lives are th- this is how our lives go especially right now you yeah. know something is something that's sustainable health and wellness you can kind of keep different versions of it going no matter how high no matter how low we can rock it we can rock through it um most diets most restrictive things we attempt definitely don't don't fall into that it, they, they just right. don't so what sustainable health is is truly about is you finding nutrition um, methods, you find in movement and you find in mindset and spirituality and all of those things that support the person you want to be, that support purpose and that you're actually able to manage, which is the biggest point. Like I talk about spirituality a lot. There's a, a, a major in my programs, there's a major faith presence. We talk about purpose a lot. And I think the biggest, there's even some, there's even some weird mindsets kind of built into how we practice spirituality. And a lot of times I find people who are like, I haven't been doing anything. Like may I, I pray a little bit occasionally. Um, but I see so-and-so reads the Bible for two hours every morning or something. And I'm like, so you ain't been doing nothing. Nothing. <laughs> People wake up at 5 a.m. and read the Bible, like in just the Bible, like straight page to page. This I, I can't. I can't do that. And I had some, I had some spiritual practices in place for a long time, but you're not going to catch me reading the Bible page, page, page at 5 a.m. Like, so it's all really about, about figuring out where you are now, figuring out what a step above is that and whatever, whatever you figure, whatever you figure out works for you, like make it manageable and just take one step at a time. I'll say, you know, 1% is progress. So just put up 1% at a time and a lot of what diet culture puts out there in the media and is that is advertised to you is not one percent it's a hundred percent plus in overnight that's not sustainable for anybody you might be able to sustain it for six six weeks maybe but we're trying to do this for life for a lifetime we don't want to be healthy for six weeks yep 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 that is that is an ex- excellent explanation. Back in my health coaching days, what year was that? Like 2010, I would ask people, so can you do this for six months, a year, two, 10, 20, 30? If not, don't even start with the shenanigans. Do something that you are going to be able to do for the rest of your life. Because we have a lot of life to live. 
listen, if we take 1%, if we, if we are able to make 1% progress, even every month, where are you going to be a hundred? Like if you take 1% progress every week, where are you going to be a hundred weeks from now? Because at the end of the day, what people don't realize is that even if you are able to do whatever you're trying to do for six weeks, the fall off after that six weeks is swift and you will more than likely end up even further back than where you started. So it's a complete waste of time because it's like, you might've started at a 10 and then you do whatever you did, you got to hundred and it lasted for six weeks, but you want to end up over here at a one and you're just going to do it over and over and over again. And it is absolutely exhausting, but how empowering is it to be able to take a step forward every week, even if it's just one, one step forward, one step forward, yep. one step forward. Nothing but wins. Yep. Even when you don't yep. have the perfect week, you're, you can find a win. And I think that's one thing that, you know, as Black women, we're pretty hard on ourselves. And, um, yeah. um, you know, as a coach, every every session that I have, what I start off with is, tell me three things that you did well this week. Not how did this week go? Tell me three things that you did well. And when people first start my programs, they have a hard time with that question. Um, they have a really hard time. And I oftentimes I have to coach them through that question. Um, and you know, a lot of people will literally, I say three things that you did well, and they will still give me three negative things. Um, and as black women, we, we are just very hard on ourselves and it's kind of difficult to, to give ourselves props, to be able to celebrate things. And that's one of my favorite things about my job is, you know, every week helping beautiful black women be able to celebrate every little thing. Absolutely. That is so true. So talk a little bit about, you know, we talked about the belief system and you talked about how family can influence our relationship with food. And in the black community, food is celebration. Yeah. Okay. We love Thanksgiving, Christmas, 4th of July, cousin Jojo's birthday, grandma turned 80 and we be throwing down. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I love food. So in your opinion and your professional advice um, or opinion is food for enjoyment, nourishment, or both? Food is absolutely for both. Food is absolutely 100% for both. And if anybody tells you anything different, smack them because (laughs) we can pretend like foods, we can put good and bad labels on food all day long if we want to. But at the end of the day, even if you think fried chicken is bad for you, it still tastes good as hell. Okay. It still is flavorful. It sure is. And there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. And when we kind of strip these foods of these good and bad labels, I can have it, I cannot have it type thing. We get out of that scarcity mindset and we don't even want it as much as, as we thought that we did. So think about all these different celebrations that we have as black people. How often do they truly happen? They don't happen that much. And I think that, you know, a lot of we have the veganism trend, which I honestly don't even want to talk about, but girl, but, that's a whole nother episode. So we have this veganism trend, not to say that the veganism is bad. I have plant-based clients. I can coach the hell out of a plant-based client. However, um, the uh, diet culture is, is, is running rampant through this trend because 
food is the meat is the devil like meat is oh. and if you <laughs> like and if you are not vegan then you are just a, a terrible black person and i'm gonna say terrible black person because it's even we're even harsher on on each other with the, this topic right now yes and i think that um you know it's just it's just tough because I don't, I don't want to talk about veganism, but it's tough because I can recognize that vegan, that veganism has its place, that's, that it works for some people, but I have yet to find very few vegans that can look back at me and be like, you know what, this whole meat thing is working out pretty well for you. And I think if we can get to a space where we can be like, <laughs> hey, that works for you and this works for me, then we can all live in harmony. But Absolutely that I got sidetracked but back to the the black our our celebrations and our culture it is a part of of our culture can we upgrade you know the quality of some of the food that we use absolutely do we have to know if that works for you if that's something that your family wants to do then cool anytime I'm invited to something there's a chance that I'm naturally going to use more whole foods like for example if I'm bringing mac and cheese to the shebang, I'm still going to use milk. I'm still going to use cheese. I'm going to use everything that you are supposed to use to make mac and cheese. Yeah. But I'll probably use actual real cheddar cheese. And I will actually use like higher quality milk. And, you know, I am, I'm, you know, I'm going to use the, the best quality of things to make my mac and cheese you're not going to notice a difference because it's still all of the same things, but not every person or family has that luxury either. Right. So I think that, I think that when we are very critical of each other and we're critical of how we celebrate, we're not taking into consideration people's finances. We're not taking, we're, we're not taking into consideration food accessibility for everybody. Um, so listen, uh, when my clients are, it's time for them to go to some sort of event with family or whatever. They're like, when we first meet, they're like, Sierra, what do I do? And I'm like, <laughs> eat what the food that you want to eat. It's like my biggest advice for people is just like, make a choice. Yeah. I think a lot of times we go into these things and we freak out so bad that we're like, no, I can't have it. I can't have it. I can't have it. And before you know, you're hiding in the kitchen, like, like eating everything <laughs> because you put all this pressure on yourself. But if you walk into the situation and you're like, you know what? Banana pudding is my favorite. And if you have, this is me, this is, this is what, this is my thought press process i know i want some banana pudding i know i want some mac and cheese um if it's a barbecue i definitely want a hot dog so it's like i know what my favorite things are and i'm gonna put my favorite things on the plate and i'm not gonna slop all the extra stuff i don't even like that much on there right favorite things in the plate i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna eat everything slow and i'm gonna enjoy it i'm gonna taste everything and then whenever i am almost full i'm gonna stop (laughs) and i'm gonna ask myself do you want anything else, Sierra? If I want more, I'm going to eat a little bit more. If I don't want any more, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to feel really good about the decision that I made. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Do not, do not put yourself into a prison of what you can't eat, but you know, celebrate what you can eat, enjoy it, let it be nourishment for your body. And sometimes food is just a celebration. Like I know every November and December, I'm eating a little bit of everything, things that I don't normally eat, but I'm not going to miss out on holiday food. It's just not happening. (laughs) 
So no, yeah. one, of, one of the practices that, so basically my clients, they go through um, different practices they implement into their lives excuse me. And that's really how they change their daily actions for two entire weeks. We work on the practice of enjoying food, you know, and there's that. so much in freedom, freedom in learning to enjoy food. And it's actually one of the hardest practices for a lot of my clients is getting to that place where they can, where they learn that they can enjoy food. And, you know, for you brought up emotional eating, you know, for people who struggle with emotional eating, that's a lot of the issue, you know, on one end, you know, we typically lack the skill of emotional regulation. That's one part of the issue, but another right. part of the issue is how we view food. And that's the reason why food is so comforting to us because it's like, oh no, I'm not allowed to have all these things. These are all highly tasteful and palatable things. I don't feel good. Let me regulate my emotions with this naughty, naughty thing that I'm not supposed to have. <laughs> and it's like, like, for example, I absolutely love Brussels sprouts. Like they are my jam. A lot of people love certain vegetables, certain mm -hmm. super great whole foods. But at the end of the day, if you struggle with emotional eating and emotional regulation, you don't say, you know what? let me eat a whole pound of Brussels sprouts. You don't do that because it's oh. not forbidden. It's not forbidden. We go to the forbidden things that we know that we're not supposed to eat. And it gives us this sense of like, oh, it's like this calmness because you've given in to something that feeds, feeds a certain part of you. Yep. But I always tell the story on all podcasts because I used to, obviously when I was going through my depression, emotional eating was what I struggled with. And um, at that point in my life, I worked for the Department of Juvenile Justice in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is a very stressful job. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to be in court so many times a month and I had to have court reports prepared. When it came around time to have my court reports prepared and there were so many people involved in the process that I had to work with, I would get super stressed out. And when I would start to feel stressed out about that, literally, I'm telling you, I get time to get off work. I would get in my car. And without even thinking, I would end up at the Publix on the way home, <laughs> a bag of pizza rolls and cookie dough ice cream. It was oh like, I felt stressed. I'm getting those two things. Ooh. And when they started making the triple pepperoni pizza rolls, <gasps> chop. So, I love those. I did so, back in the day. So I would get home and I would, I would cook the entire bag every single pizza roll and I will put it in a big giant bowl I don't even know if I've told this whole story I will put it in a big giant bowl <laughs> then I will put it in the freezer and I will put it in the freezer so they were cold enough that I literally could just be like and I would eat the entire bag because pizza rolls are deadly when they're too hot aren't they, they sure so are. I wanted to avoid the risk so I wanted to eat these as fast as possible to avoid the moment when my body signals me and tells me which happens around 15 20 minute mark hey Sierra like we are full it takes our bodies about 15 minutes to be able to do that so if I make them cold and I just shove them into my face as fast as I can I'm gonna beat my body signal and I didn't know that's what I was doing at the time. Right, but that's right. literally what I was doing. And I would eat as fast as I possibly could. And I would just lay back like, oh, like I would feel better for a second. But that second was, was short-lived. Yeah. And now, honey, listen, I ate pizza rolls a couple weeks ago. And, you know, they're not forbidden to me anymore. And because they're not forbidden, even though I absolutely love them, I might eat them once a month. I don't even think about them. 
like at all. Um, but the only reason I thought about them was because I told myself I wasn't allowed to have them. So once we give her, ourselves permission, food is food, you know, that it's not good and bad. It also gives us the opportunity to heal and figure out and master emotional regulation. Like yes. what is the true source? How do I address the root? Absolutely. Get to the root of it all. So Sierra, each episode, I ask my guests to complete two sentences. And the first one is wellness to me means. Okay. So wellness to me means purpose. Ooh. And the reason wellness to me means purpose is because when we prioritize our wellness and we give and we create space and freedom within ourselves by prioritizing nutrition, by prioritizing movement, prioritizing mindset and spirituality work, we create that space within ourselves for purpose. Mm -hmm. So to me, wellness, my wellness means purpose. My purpose is melanin well, being a wellness coach. I am the best possible wellness coach. I am walking out my purpose at my best when my wellness is my biggest priority. So to me, wellness means purpose because it creates the space and freedom that we need to really walk that out 150%. I love it. Black health literacy is important because? Well, we're going to piggyback off purpose again. Black health literacy is important because it gives us the freedom to to walk in purpose. When we learn, when we, when we are Black health literate, we are able to take control and have power over our health and in turn, walk out our purpose full freaking out. I think a lot of times, you know, just for myself as an example, not knowing that birth control was harmful. Right. Um, there are plenty of examples where things have purposely been hidden from us things that we are purposely you know do not know um but you know when we are literate when we when we do take the time to prioritize and teach these things to ourselves and learn from other people like you it puts us in the driver's seat it gives us power to find purpose within ourselves and experience that purpose-led joy which I think is really what we all want but all the stuff that I have talked about today can't happen with black health literacy Right. Like, like there is no black health literacy. There is no, you know, prioritizing nutrition, movement, you know, stress, everything we talked about without black health literacy. Exactly. Exactly. If people want to learn more about you, your wonderful coaching program, your philosophies, where can people find you? So the best possible place to find me is Instagram. I am heavy on the gram. You can find me at I am Melanin Well. I post to my stories every single day. I post about four days a week. I'm heavy on the gram. I'm learning reels. I'm learning reels, you know, so once I get the hang of that, I'm going to post even more, but that's the best place to find me. Um, you know, all of my posts are very informative when I, I don't even want to admit how long it takes me to create my content every week, read my captions. You want to learn some stuff, read my captions. Um, and then if you follow the link in my bio every single month in the third week of the month, I do a free masterclass that teaches you guys the three power practices for sustainable health. And this will air in March, correct? Yes, it will. Okay. National so, nutrition month. Hey, so March 23rd, 70 ST, 
I will have my March three power practices for sustainable health free masterclass. You can find the link in my bio, sign on up. It's absolutely free. And it's, it's basically a 60 minute coaching call. I love it. I will make sure that I share that out um, around that time. National Nutrition Month will be really big for Black people this year, I hope. Thank you so much, Sierra, for coming on and dropping all the gems, sharing your testimony and your professional insight. I really appreciate it. And I took some notes, as you saw. So I will be applying some of your philosophies to my own life. No problem. I had a blast. And when it comes time for the episode, if you want to do a story takeover or anything to promote anything, I love promoting podcasts. So you just let me know what you want from me and I got you. Will do. Thank you so much. No problem, lady. You have a good night. You too. Thanks for tuning in today. Remember that the Black Health Lit podcast episodes will be released every first and third self-care Sunday of each month. To stay connected, you can find Black Health Lit on Facebook, IG, and Twitter at Black Health Lit. Let's keep the conversation going between episodes on social media with the official hashtag Black Health Lit. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Music or Spotify so that you can stay up to date and travel on this journey to reclaiming our health.